Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show, made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today we're joined by the Chief Executive Officer of the International Cricket Council. Jeff Allardyce was on Melbourne's list in the VFL before focusing on cricket where he played for Melbourne Uni and later 14 matches for Victoria ahead of an entry into administration with Cricket Australia. Now he didn't play international cricket but he's immensely qualified to run it. Jeff, welcome, great to have you on. Thanks Sam, good to be here. Now... I found you in New Zealand. I was going to ask you about how life is in the UAE, but you're obviously in the in the land of the long white cloud for our Women's World Cup. You know, it's been one of the one of the areas that I've, since I've been at the ICC that's uh, jumped ahead in leaps and bounds. And um, the the standard and the competitiveness of the events has been is just on the improve all the time. So, uh, you know, since I've been here, we've, I've seen two matches and they've gone down to the wire, and and, and most of the others have as well. So it's been uh, it's been good. And you head home in a couple of weeks. I think I can call Dubai home because you've been there for a long time now. Do you consider yourself a, a local in those parts? Well, I'm certainly used to it. Yeah, it's almost ten years now living in Dubai. And uh, it's it's been good. I've really enjoyed the the, the, the time living there. It's a you know, very multicultural community there, and um, you know you mix with people from all different countries, and it's uh, it's a great experience. And you know, family's there, and and I've had a son who's who's grown up most of his life in Dubai, so he's um, you know he he's uh, gets exposed to all sports and all different countries, and. Uh, you know, people with who speak all different languages. So it's been a great experience. Yeah, what a great life experience. Dubai is a curious place. Now, you were appointed ICCCO full-time only in November. So eight months is the interim, of course. It goes without saying. It's a big job, tremendous responsibility. Now, you're human. Did you find yourself thinking, right, this is big? Is there an initial moment where, where it hits you or has it been a steady build? No, pretty steady. I mean, I've, I've been at the ICC for almost 10 years and, uh, you know, the interim role was one where, you know, with COVID on and um, a couple of events on the horizon, we, we just had to focus on, you know, the here and now and getting, um, you know, delivering some of our events. So that we had the World Test Championship in, in uh, final in Southampton in in the UK, and then we had our T20 World Cup, which is Australia won, of course, in in uh, the UAE final in the UAE in Oman. And you know, for, so for that for that period, the focus was really on just getting you know getting the the, the organisation focused on delivering those events and 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 making sure that everyone was pulling uh, in in the same direction. So didn't have much time to think about 
other things. And then, um, you know, once the event was over, the board showed the confidence in me to, to appoint me as a in a permanent position. So, and that's, you know, it gives us a chance to build around our, you know, our next uh, you know, five to ten years and, and implement our strategy. A successful summer of cricket it was here, but unfortunately it's given way to some really sad news of late. Obviously the tragic loss of Shane Warne and Rod Marsh within 24 hours of each other and the ICC paid tribute to both, of course. Yes, I mean, uh, as an Australian, I, I mean, I had connections with both, um, um, you know, in different ways. And, and you know, I grew up in the in the 70s as a kid, falling in love with cricket and footy and, and um you know, Rod Marsh was one of the, you know, one of the heroes of that time. And, um, you know, I've got the, had the chance on and off to, to you know, come, ac- come across his path in, um, you know, in working in cricket. And, and you know, what a great person and, and a contributor to the game. And it's, uh, you know, it's so sad to see see what happened to him. And then, you know, pr- pretty much on the same day, I, I was in Pakistan watching the first day of the Australia-Pakistan um, test matches in in uh, uh, Royal Pindi. And, you know, we the, the morning... We found the news about Rod Marsh, and then in the evening we found out the news about Shane Warne. So, and uh, you know, I played I played a little bit with Shane for Victoria, and I've seen him around the the you know the the World Cups and things like that in my in my job, and uh, you know, always he's always caught up with him, and said hello, and uh, I, don't, I haven't don't see him freak haven't seen him frequently, but you know, just such a shock. Uh, in such a short space of time to see two two icons of the game in the you know from the world point of view but uh, certainly from the Australian point of view pass away in in such circumstances so so it's a very sad period the MCG's great southern stand will become known as the Shane Warne stand in time I mean, Jeff would the ICC look to do anything else or anything further to commemorate Shane Warne um I don't know at this stage I think we're you know we're we're just uh, watching the, the you know the um you know, the, everyone paying their respects in Australia. I think over time, I mean, we we have our Hall of Fame uh, people, and um, you know, we we have people from uh, you know iconic cricketers from from all countries. Uh, you know, unfortunately, passing away at various periods. So I, I, I don't know that it's uh, you know this. We don't have the same sort of leverage that um, you know the the MCC or the or the the authorities in Australia do. But um, uh, you know, in terms of recognising his contribution to the game, I think um, you know we've already we've already uh, uh, recognised that, and it, he's just been such a uh, contributor. And it wasn't just you know his on-field stuff. I mean, if you see all those pictures of him helping young young cricketers and young leg spinners in particular around the world whenever he gets an opportunity and if they asked him for time he would he would always be very generous and um you know in terms of his contribution uh you know from an icc point of view you look at it you see how many how many other countries are you know are affected by someone's loss and certainly shane had had a presence in all cricketing countries and and was hugely revered in all across the cricketing world 24 years it had been so how have you seen australia's historic tour of pakistan well it's hard it's it's obviously pretty uh pretty tight cricket i mean it's uh it's hard work for the bowlers and and and, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, in terms of the importance for the game, I think it's a, it's a very, it's great to see Australia back there. Mm. Um, you know, I, saw, I spent one day with the, you know, with the, with the, uh, the, the, the group and, and not with the Australian group, but with the, uh, the two teams and the, and going to the matches and the officials from, from both teams. And, uh, you know, they were, they're working together to make sure this, the tour was a success. And, and it, it, Pakistan is a, 
you know, it's a huge country. They're uh, passionate about cricket and world cricket and international cricket is is better uh, when Pakistan is strong and, and when they're playing at home. So it, it's a great step forward uh, that Australia has been able to go there after 24 years. Yeah, it's great they're there um, and you've done a power of work, you and your team, to, to get cricket back to, to that part of the world. But is there, putting that to one side, is there any sort of level of unhappiness over the wickets that have been prepared in, in Pakistan and where does that potentially sit under your powers, you know, grading, you know, wicket gradings aside? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that, uh, one of the things we, you know, we get a much a better feel for where we sit is that, you know, the conditions in each country are different. And the, you know, the, the nature of the pitches is different as well. And, and Pakistan, the, you know, the character of these Pakistan pitches is probably not that different to, to what they've been uh, in years gone by. It's, it's, it is hard work. Um, you know, reverse swing plays a, plays a role. You know, if the, if the pitches break up and turn, then you, you can get a contest uh, as the game goes on. And, um, you know, certainly the second test I watched the, the last day and it was gripping. You know, was, were, were they going to go for the runs? Were, were the wickets going to fall? If they got one, would they get a, a rush of wickets and... And, and and in the end, it you know just kept you hanging there for the whole day, and and it was it was quite an, an entertaining day, even though the result was was a draw. And but you know I think if you look at it overall, I mean we've we've had a few draws in um, Pakistan and a, and a few draws in the West Indies, and but in this cycle of the Test Championship, I think it's seven out of thirty matches have have been drawn, and that's you know historically that's a low percentage, and and it, it's probably higher than it has been over the last you know the last three or four years where. Probably more like ten percent of test matches have been drawn. So, um, but it is you know it is hard work, and and you've, you've got to you've got to work hard for your wickets and capitalise when you when you get in as a batter. And I think that's the, um, uh, the you know that's part of the beauty of test cricket. It's different. It's different the way it's played all over the world and on the surfaces that it's played all over the world. So it, yeah, it, it is different, and that's the that's the bit. It's you know getting quick results isn't necessarily a good thing either yeah. um so it, it, it the, the beauty of the game is is these the variety of conditions and the way it's played and the way it's enjoyed in all these different countries over the around the world and just the Women's World Cup in New Zealand, which is obviously where we find you at the moment, being played, well, you'd have to say amid a, a solid backdrop of COVID. I mean, it was obviously held over from last year when it was one of, what would you say, one of the few coronavirus-free places anywhere in the world. But of course, hindsight's a wonderful thing when it comes to this stuff, Jeff. Yes, yes, I know. We, I mean, one of our problems uh, 12 months ago was that the teams just weren't getting the, yeah. the same sort of opportunity to play and prepare for a, uh, a World Cup. I mean, the World Cup's a huge tournament. In, in women's cricket and the teams in you know the the end of 2020 and the start of 2021 just weren't getting the you know the number of matches across the you know the the eight that would be playing in the event so um it was partly that yes New Zealand probably could have if, if you could get everyone in uh, but it would have been under you know fairly tight arrangements um the way it played out uh you know we we um you know with New Zealand have done a great job in terms of the the keeping their community safe and and protecting lives and and now you know they've got a the, the covid's um uh you know is on a bit of a, a run in New Zealand and it's um yeah but they're they're getting used to living with it and and restrictions are gradually easing so i think they're going through the same phase that pretty much every other country has in the world has gone through at some point um and we're always i mean what the good thing about new zealand is the grounds are terrific the pitches are, have been really good um you know we knew we were going to get really good support administratively and and from the government here and that's all been great you're listening to this is your journey thanks to tobin brothers funerals a family-owned business since 1934 well before he was an administrator jeff allardyce was a multi-sport sportsman we're going to go down memory lane after this you're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to the CEO of the International Cricket Council, Jeff Allardyce. So, Jeff, you're a traditional Aussie kid or a Victorian kid anyway, cricket in the summer, footy in the winter? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I mean, you know, you, you that age of about, what is it, seven or eight, and you just fall in love with, with sport and you can't get enough of it. And it was, yeah, footy for me and, um, and you know, in the winter and cricket in the summer and... Uh, you know, it was it was, it was just it was great. It shaped my you know my life and my my working life um, and and you know how how it's played out. So you know, I've been very lucky to be involved for, with sport for as long as I have been. Now, don't be humble because you were super talented at both. So let's perhaps talk footy first. Melbourne under nineteens. Right, does that feel like a long time ago? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, you know I was I was playing. I think I started off playing under 19s at uni blues in the amateurs and uh um i you know was just playing a game at um it was camberwell grammar old boys or something and 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 cameron schwab who uh was was recruiting for melbourne at the yep. time somehow it was at the game and uh was at the game was a little bit one-sided our way and uh i, I remember it was <laughs> wasn't taken all that seriously uh <laughs> by our guys and, and for some reason he saw something that he invited me down to training at the with the under 19s at the MCG, and um, you know, it was in the days of the old Olympic stand, and you know, you go into the, the bowels there, and um, you know, get get paired up with someone for training, and and um, you know, you're out there on the on the MCG training in the under 19s with Slug Jordan as your coach. <laughs> with, uh, Great experience. <laughs> we won't repeat too much of what he might have said on the on the night in question. But what sort of what sort of footballer were you then, Jeff? I uh, sort of winger, halfback, probably. Yeah. Um, a bit, and um, yeah, it was we, just it wasn't uh, wasn't a star by any means, but held my own occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Now you never played a senior game for the D's, and you may feel you may feel this yarn's had a bit of mayo putting on over the years. But the fact is. You may have played. We've got to acknowledge this. You might have played in the 1987 Grand Final had the late and great Jim Steins not done the unthinkable and ran across the mark, of course, while Gary Buckenara was lining up. That can't be disputed, can it? Uh, yeah, there has been some mayo put on the story <laughs> over the years, but uh, we'll never know, I suppose. Will we? well, it was, uh, I was, I, you know, I played that season in the, uh, in the reserves and I think... Um, the last six games of the year, I think I played reasonably well and I was sort of on the, you know, finished the season off well. And then we got to training for the, um, I think it was the elimination final. I, you know, we, we'd been training as a squad and the reserves hadn't made the finals and I didn't know any better. And I just turned up at, at Junction Oval for training and, and um, I'm not sure I was supposed to be there, but they said, well, come and train anyway. And, um, you know, it was, I think it was the first time Melbourne had been in the finals for, 20 something, you know, long uh, 23 years or something like that. It was, yep. uh, and the crowd at the Junction Oval for training was was fantastic. So, you know, the training sessions had a real buzz about them. And uh, so I trained that week and they beat North Melbourne comfortably in the elimination final. And then, you know, I, I went up to John Northy and I said, Do you want me to still keep coming to training? And he said, uh, Yeah, sh- sure, if you want to. And I said, Yeah, I'd love to. And, <laughs> um, the next week we played the Sydney Swans in the I think it was the first semi then yeah um, and uh, you know as the week went on 
you know, just sort of counting the numbers around the track and a few had dropped out with injuries and, um, you know, come the, uh, come the Thursday night, I was, I was an emergency for the, for the first semi final against Sydney. And so, you know, got the team meeting and, and everything. And I, I think we had a couple out with suspension as well from a game late in the season. And, uh, so we beat Sydney and then we, um, you know, I was still, I tr- trained the following week in the, in the lead up to the preliminary final. We got it. I think there was a couple came back. Uh, I think maybe Steve O'Dwyer and Rod Grinter back from suspension. And, and, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't an emergency for the, uh, I was just an on, an onlooker for the, uh, preliminary final. And, you know, as the game was going on, I, I, we were racking up a few injuries and, um, you know, sort of just, just in my head doing the, doing the, doing the maths and, um, we, uh, we, we never got to find out. So <laughs> we didn't. it was, I remember sitting, we were up in the, in the stand at, at VFL Park and it was an aisle and on the, you know, I think on the left-hand side was the, you know, the Melbourne entourage and on the right-hand side was the Hawthorne entourage while Gary Buckenara was lining up his kick and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, he, he nailed it and one side of the aisle was very happy and, and one side of the aisle was devastated. There's the siren and he's got a kick from 55 metres out. I don't think that was 15 metres. 15. Pressure on Gary Bacanara. He is a champion. He is a great kick. If he kicks this goal, Hawthorne are in the grand final. The umpires haven't heard it yet, I don't think. If he kicks this goal, Hawthorne are in the 1987 grand final. If he misses, Melbourne are in. There's the kick. It's a goal. It's a goal. Hawthorne have won with a kick after the siren. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a funny. Uh, uh, an incredible day and um it was it was an incredible period for me having not not been there and then uh, at the end of that uh we went they, they were doing the series over overseas as well the um uh, yeah. foster's cup foster's, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah and uh we went to vancouver for um uh, played a couple of games over there uh, in the few weeks after the season finished but yeah it was a great great experience being involved in melbourne at that time some really good people and you know the club had a great Great feel about it, and it's great to see them doing well now. Oh, they absolutely have done well now, but we we will never know, as you say. But for the record, Ricky Jackson, Brian Wilson were taken off injured. Robbie Flower's shoulder. I'm not sure if either three would have played in the grand final, and I'm sure you would have got the tap on the shoulder like you did in Vancouver, you mentioned. So the Foster's Cup, you were playing North Melbourne. Now, I think this was the week after the infamous Battle of Britain as well. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jeff, but you might have been there on an under-19s end of, or a reserves end of season trip, basically. And there was a quote-unquote injury crisis. So I don't know if the hangovers were a bit more severe than what uh, had been forecast. And you've been piloted into play a couple of games over there in Canada. Uh, yeah, I think I, uh, well, I think, I think the thing was that, that and I'm, I'm going a long way back. I, th- I think we won the, Oh, what was the, the the Tuesday night competition called in the at the start of the year? It was the oh yeah the that, preseason. Well, well, Anset um, was it Anset? Sponsor name, Anset. Um, but the you know the night the Tuesday night night competition. Uh, you know and we, and and you know we I, I think we won the final and the, whatever the prize money was went into the you know the end of season trip fund and so the the view was when we got the. Uh, you know, we earned the right to be in the, uh, you know, the overseas series that the reserves and the seniors would all, you know, all go on the same trip. So uh, they weren't short of numbers. Um, whether they're short of fit players <laughs> might have been a different story. But yeah, we went to went to Vancouver, and I think because I was in the squad, you know, the training squad around the finals, you know, it was a bit closer to the to the mm. lineup there. But um, yeah, there was a few out injured, and 
yeah, some interesting pre-game preparation from a few, <laughs> few of our players, but it was uh, it was good fun and a great experience again. Um, you know, to play so one of the games. I think the first one against Sydney, they got about thirty thousand in a in an indoor stadium, which was um, uh, you know, which was a great promotion. And then uh, we stayed on for the the following, like you said, and, and North Melbourne came over after playing at the Oval. How did it come to an end, the footy? I think you were cut before the '89 season. Was there a list rule adjustment? I think maybe with the VFL at the time, and you thought it better just to move on with the next phase of your life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I mean, '88. Uh, you know, having finished off that the, the, the way in 1987, I you know I, I was keen as anything during the preseason, and and you know we got to the the training session before the first night game. You know, the preseason competition that sort of flowed into the uh, you know into the into the night competition, and I did a hamstring on the you know just as though on the last session before the the first game, and um, and it just kept recurring during the season. So I, I you know I just was in for a couple of weeks, did a hamstring out again. And, and then at the end of the 88 season, uh, I hadn't played anywhere near the amount or the, or the, you know, the, the style of football that I would have liked. And, um, and you're right. They, I think the draft came in, you know, it used to be, you just come out of the zone or you got recruited and you come along. And, um, but then that, I think the draft was introduced at the start of 89 and I had to get drafted to, to be on the list and I didn't get drafted. So that was that was it, and and uh, I think I trained. I think I trained one season at Richmond, uh, one pre-season at Richmond. But at that stage, you know, I was also playing cricket, and cricket was starting to go well, and and uh, uh, it started taking over. So um, yeah, that was that was my involvement with footy, and then a couple of years of of amateurs at Uni Blues with um, you know with a late start after the cricket season, and and yeah, and that, and yeah, I finished footy fairly early. So you mentioned losing more time for cricket. Now, I've read it. You've been described as some quarters with the bat as a prolific but dogged batter in your days at Melbourne Uni and uh, capable of, quote-unquote, digging in for the fight, Jeff, as, uh, as skipper. So a couple of handy character traits uh, in the line of work you've, you're in now, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think I would have been suited to T20 the, the way I used to bat. <laughs> but, uh, it was... Um, no, it was good. It was, a, it was great. I mean, I, I, I was always in... In, involved in cricket and worked my way through the system there and and you know footy actually helped a lot in terms of you know around the, the mental side of batting and and being able to you know, get the best out of yourself and um you know I had, a, I had a really enjoyable few years in the with the Victorian team and um you know we played with some great players in that in that period on you know I was in and out but uh you know I enjoyed playing with a lot of those guys and um it was yeah that, and, and that uh, you just stop playing at that level and, and getting even to play interstate at that stage was a you know was was getting used to different conditions and playing when you're living in a hotel and all of those sorts of things was was a bit foreign and and um, but you know I think it, it did okay at times and and uh, you know over over, over the journey um, you know other players came through and and uh, you know, we moved on to the next stage of, of my life. Speaking of next stages, was it around this time, Jeff, that you somehow found the time to get a degree in chemical engineering? Uh, yes, y- yes, it was. It was. Um, uh, I, I think one of the ones uh, in in football. Um, you know, I think chemical engineering. There's about eleven exams we had to do at, at uni, and um, unfortunately, the the trip to Vancouver was right smack bang in the middle of the study. You know, the SWAT vac ahead of the exam, so I had a. Well, it wasn't really that difficult a choice. To, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go to Vancouver for two weeks, or do you want to do you want to study for exams? And uh, I, I thought it was probably 
a chance that wouldn't present itself very often again. And I, I went on the trip and uh, uh, didn't quite get through all eleven exams, but <laughs> but in the end, um, in the end, we did, and and uh, it was it was great. I mean, I worked as worked in engineering for. 11 years before moving to sport. So straight out of uni, I worked in engineering and, um, you know, worked in a sort of private company in sales. And uh, it was a, that was a great learning experience too. And then, uh, you know, opportunities came up in sport and, you know, took the, took the plunge and haven't looked back. It's been great. You're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can find them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. Well, that... Door being opened into sport, it was opened by an old teammate of Jeff Allardyce's. We'll talk about that introduction to cricket administration after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. We're with the ICC Chief Executive, the Australian Jeff Allardyce. Jeff, just on those days at Victoria that you touched on uh, before the break, playing first-class cricket for your state. You're in your early 20s. You're flying across the country, as you mentioned. These must be great memories. Yeah, and one of the things I've been lucky, you know, a lot of the guys that I played with, uh, you know, I've continued to see through, um, you know, even see regularly today through, uh, you know, through being where we are cricket-wise and, and around cricket. And it's great to see how many, how many of them are still involved in the game. And, um you know, whether it be commentating, coaching, umpiring in a couple of cases, uh, you know, and it's, um, you know, the cricket family is a, is a very strong one. And, and, you know, when you go, when it, you know, it's great for me to be able to, to stay in touch with a lot of those guys. So, and, you know, they went on forged fantastic careers themselves in different, in, in various ways. So, it, it, yeah, it's really good to look back and see, how it seems a long time ago now, but um, it is, it, you know, it was a great period and I loved it. I loved being involved. And Joffa, that stuck pretty early on, didn't it? Yeah, I can't remember where that came from. It was uh, not a particularly inventive nickname. It could have, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so I think it might have come from under 19 days or something and it's, and it's stuck. But, um, uh, you know, if that's the only one that gets aired today, I think that's all right. Yeah, yeah, well, I think you're going well with that, except that one. So you, you, it's clear you formed some great friendships, don't you, in an environment like that. Did you live with any of your teammates coming through? Yeah, well, yes, yes. Yeah, we, I I grew up in uh, Vermont, out in the eastern suburbs, and, and um, my, you know, when I was in uh, the, the state squad, the training was all in the city and the football was all in the city. So I thought, well, you know, we need to... Need to um, uh, get a get a place, rent a place in in a bit closer to the city, to so I could get to training and uni and do all the things I needed to do. And the um, uh, contracts weren't that great at that stage, so there wasn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, reserves to dip into for the, you know, renting a substantial property. So we we sort of got a few people who were in the same boat and and looked for some places. And the two guys I ended up with were Damien Fleming and Ian Harvey. And um, we settled on Richmond. We thought Richmond was, um, you know, was 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 reasonably convenient for everything that we wanted to do. And uh, yeah, we we rented a place in in Coppin Street, Richmond. No, well, great part of Melbourne, Coppin Street. So 
The house with its bedrooms. Now, when three guys, young guys, it must be said, uh, go into a share house, uh, Jeff, uh, I don't know about you, but I've never been in one where picking the rooms has been a smooth process. So how did you go about doing that? Yeah, there was uh, three bedrooms upstairs. One was sort of a you know, master bedroom with big cupboards and a, an ensuite and all that sort of thing. The second one was reasonable size uh, at the end, at, you know, good cupboard space. And the third one was a shoebox. And we sort of... Uh, you know, looked at it and, and we tried to work out how, um, you know, I, th- I, don't, I can't remember whether it was paper, rock, scissors or what they were planning to do to decide who got which room. And I, I sort of assessed the three and, and thought that the second one was livable um, and, you know, that, that the third one wasn't. So I sort of, I said, well, I'll, what if I opt out and I'll, I'll just take the second one and you two can have the, you can fight for the, the big one and the really small one. Genius. And, and they did and... Uh, <laughs> Damien got the big one and Ian got the small one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because obviously you're thinking there's a chance I could get the ensuite, but there's also a chance I could get the dog box. So that's playing the percentages, calm, analytical, clinical. Have you have you always? It strikes me that you've potentially always been this way. I think that's the engineering background. You, you sort of assess the risk and <laughs> and make the make the the the. the most pragmatic decision. So uh, it probably probably is a good indicator of the future. And again, and again, a bit like your dogged ways at the crease for 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 uni. You know, great traits for the current profession. Yeah, well, I mean, everything we do is, is it's very rare in in you know sports administration, and particularly in our world, there's there's very little you know right or wrong, or you know the, the, there's no there's very few clear positions. Everything's you know we're called somewhere in the middle, and and you, you do have to weigh up all of the you know, the the options and try and make the best call you can and get it right as often as you can. You won't get it right all the time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much every decision we take at the moment. I mentioned that old teammate of yours prior to the break. He, I think, he, I think anyway, he was the playing coach uh, at Melbourne Uni while you were the captain and, and a man that listeners will know well, the former uh, Cricket Australia CEO, James Sutherland. Now, was it James who initially opened the door for you at CA in those early days, perhaps as a... Maybe even an umpires manager, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He they were they were expanding it a little bit at the time, and um, he he was very uh, you know arm's length. He just said he said just this a couple of roles coming up. Look on the you know look look for these roles, and and you know the, one of them might work for you. And I'd been doing a bit in the um, with the Victorian Institute of Sport cricket program, so I was sort of in the still in the cricket. You know, I'd gone from playing and a bit of coaching at, at club level to, um, you know, being a bit more involved off field and, and running programs and things. So, you know, I thought, well, you know, let's give it a go. The engineering was okay, but it wasn't going anywhere fast. And, um, you know, I, I remember the the guy that the head of cricket operations at the time was a guy called Richard Watson, a lovely, lovely man. And he um, used to do all the scheduling of the, of the Sheffield Shield and everything on with mag- magnets on a board, and he he interviewed me, and I'd somehow I'd found a colour printer, and I'd sort of put a you know a bit a, a bit of a document together on how how I think I'd go around the umpire manager thing, and he uh, yes, I printed it out, it's probably two or three pages, and it had a big AC, ACB logo on the front, and he was just seemed in, enchanted by the the colour you know the colour printout at the time. <laughs> uh, he, he was receptive to my uh, my application, and I got the job there as umpire manager, and and. You know, I did that for th- four or five years, I think, and then just gradually moved more into general operations at, at Cricket Australia. And then, you know, an opportunity came up at the ICC, and it was a was it was a you know, very similar type role to to what I'd been doing. So it was a it was a 
you know, it was a good move for me. It came at the right time, and it was was great. So I, I spent you know some really good years at Cricket Australia in the in the cricket department there, and it was um, uh, it was a really good grounding for getting a feel for the international part of the game. And you, you even even working in Cricket Australia, you don't get the full feel for you know what a what a broad game it is and how it's you know how it's enjoyed and played in so many different ways in so many different countries. We're talking to Jeff Allardyce on this is your journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives well what are the challenges and key priorities for international cricket now and in the future we'll discuss that and more with jeff allardyce you're listening to this is your journey with sam edmund for tobin brothers funerals visit tobinbrothers.com.au tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, and Jeff Allardyce has been our guest today. So, Jeff, you touched on it just before. I imagine the ICC uh, headquarters, the office, uh, is mirrored by the game itself. You know, a very multicultural environment there in Dubai and a mix of cultures and not only cultures, but I guess different approaches to the game. Must be amazing. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, uh, you know, we, we often have a discussion around, um, you know, employing new staff. And in the current age with Zoom and, um, you know, being able to work remotely, people are saying, oh, well, can I work from my, you know, my home country? Do I have to move to Dubai? And we think a big part of working at the ICC is that multicultural environment and, and within the office because we've got a lot of cricketing countries represented in, within our staff and um, it is, uh, and also in the community there where there's it is an enormous uh number of um, expat communities there and living in a very tolerant society. So it, it, it gives you a much better perspective of um, the way people do things and, and you change your perspective to think that it isn't about, you know, this is the way you do it and this is the way you don't do it. It's There's no right or wrong. It's, you know, people just do things in different ways. And, and in cricket, they generally get to the same result, which is, you know, 22 yards a pitch, uh, the stumps in the ground, the ball, um, you know, and the players getting getting to the ground and getting out so you know we're able to get somehow with all of the different ways they go about it we get to the same result and it is um and and that's one of the things i think we you learn as you go because and, and you keep learning because you're always talking to people from different countries and understanding you know why they think about things a certain way and why uh you know why they prioritize this rather than that and um you you get a much better feel for the the way they function um you know in terms of governance the way the the cricket australia is structured is very different to the way the bangladesh cricket board structured and they operate in different ways and you know icc needs to reflect the you know both you know both boards because they're both test playing countries and full members of the icc and um you know we the way we function is somewhere in the middle um and that's yeah, we have most of our, oh, what is it, five of our full member countries uh, are out of the Southern Asian region and something like 90% of our, our fans are, are in that part of the world or come from that part of the world. So, it, you know, being having an understanding of the, the way the game functions in all those different parts of the world is, is an important part of our role. Um, and we try to move our events around different countries and so that, one, that they get the experience of hosting a world event, but two, players and and. You know, all those associated with a World Cup get to experience 
how cricket is run and, and presented in, in different parts of the world. So we were in uh, we were in the Caribbean a few weeks ago for the Under-19 World Cup, in, again, in difficult COVID situation. Now we're in New Zealand. Later in the year, we'll be in Australia. Um, next year, we'll be in South Africa and India. So it's you, you get you get to see how they how they do things and and it's it's fascinating. I mean, you never stop learning and, and appreciating uh, you know those cultures and and how rich they are and their their challenges and and I think that you know the way one country sees a, a particular issue isn't necessarily the way that all the other countries see that particular issue and they've all got their own challenges and what might be a big you know a big issue in one country is a non-issue in another country. So yeah. that's that's part of the multicultural um, environment that you, you talk about, and it's it's one that we keep learning about every day. So it's it's a huge international sport. Fans the world over, we know that. But, uh, Jeff, how does it get stronger? I mean, how do you grow it when, you know, there's so much competition for people's attention nowadays, how they spend their hard-earned money in this COVID world, and, in fact, also for you, I imagine, uh, a priority pushing into new frontiers and new markets all the time. Yeah, that's right. It's, it, I mean, that's, you know, they're the main pillars of our strategies. Where, where are the opportunities in the future? And, and you know, w- one of the ones that we've been really starting to build over the last four or five years has been the women's game. Um, it's, you know, it's gone ahead in, and, and every country in, uh, every cricketing country is in a slightly different place on the, you know, the, the timeline of women's cricket. And Australia, you know, when I started at Cricket Australia, it wasn't, I don't even think it was, a, it was amalgamated with, you know, it was a separate women's cricket organisation to the ACB as it was then. Uh, and now not just integrated, but they've, they're racing ahead, you know, what they're doing with the, the women's big bash and, and contracts and the professionalism of the game and, you know, the participation programs they run. Uh, just fantastic uh, acceleration in the in the growth of women's cricket in Australia. Um, and that, but there's not the same pace of, uh, of acceler- or acceleration of growth in, in other parts of the world. And, you know, for me... Coming here and 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 seeing Pakistan win their first game last night in in 13 years, or Bangladesh playing in their first World Cup. I mean, you know, the the journey that that they're on. You know, given given the you know the the, the culture cultural situation in in those countries. I mean, wasn't that long ago. In, in relative terms, they, they they weren't even fielding women's teams. But in you know, they've just made a huge huge advancements in. In recent years, and uh, you know, credit to both of those countries and, and, and their boards for the way that they're you know they're, they're moving that forward. And uh, South Africa is another one. They're they're playing Australia as we speak, and mm. and you know, probably five five years ago they weren't they didn't have a, a a very active women's cricket program, and they've invested enormously in it over the last four or five years, and they're putting a very very strong team on the park, and um, they're hosting our, our twenty women's twenty twenty World Cup next year. So that's one area that I think you know if you look at the the, the devotion to the game in Asia, and you know, if we could, if we could um, just raise the awareness and, and uh, you know, present the um, the women's game in a you know in a, in a light that uh, attracts more fans within Asia, then I think that's a huge opportunity for our sport. Um, you know, we've got a lot of members in Africa who are who are uh, developing developing well, and some some really populous countries there. It's it's becoming. Um, you know, we've got South Africa and Zimbabwe who have been test playing countries for a long time but uh a number of other countries in africa going um really really accelerating their development of the game and and i mean europe is is another one we're getting countries that you wouldn't associate with with being uh cricketing countries um who are you know haven't got enough grounds and have got a, a you know an influx of participants and and you know, I think the the great strength is that you know the the you know, the diaspora from Southern Asia are moving into all different countries and and they're taking cricket with them. And you know, the other one, the the one that we've we've 
targeted more specifically has been the USA. I know yeah. that there's a big going on there at the moment with venue development and we're in we're we're we know that it's a very competitive sporting landscape there and we've got we've two things in particular one is the the our 2020 world cup men's in in 2024 which will be joint hosted by the west indies and the usa so that's we're, we're going through the 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 venues um, process, venue selection process now for that and, and working with both of those organisations. And the other one, which is, you know, it's a bit, it's uh, it, it's going to be quite challenging, but we're, we're, you know, we've got an ambition to be part of the Olympic Games and whether that's uh, at, at the first first opportunity for us would be uh, Los Angeles in 2028 and, and then, um, you know, Brisbane in, in 2032, we'd be very interested as well. So, um, you know, we've got our first uh, multi-sport games experience in, in quite a while in uh, Birmingham in, in July with the, the women's uh, women's event, women's cricket event in the in the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So that's a uh, you know, different experience for the athletes. I know they're looking forward to it. And we're, you know, we the short form cricket in, in multi-sport games, we think can help grow the popularity of the sport. So there's just a couple of the things yeah. that... I was going to ask you about the US and the Olympics, because so, I think that with the games, it's been speculated upon for a long time, hasn't it? And finally now, as you say, there's a commitment and a push to campaign collectively for cricket at the Olympics, but whether it be LA 28, Brisbane 32. But Jeff, why is it important to have cricket at the games? Well, I think that the, I mean, it won't be, it's not going to be a huge tournament. I know the, the athlete numbers are very, uh, you know, are very tightly monitored there. and it, But it, but in with in in all of, many of our members that you know being seen as an olympic sport and having an association with the government and the and the national olympic movement is uh you know something that is going to be really beneficial in terms of facilities and high performance uh assistance and so it it it, it isn't about it's certainly not a money making exercise from our point of view it's about um you know it's about giving getting exposure for cricket to in markets where we may not be popular mm. um there are plenty of big markets in the olymp you know that, that consume the olympic games that um aren't uh, closely involved with cricket or close followers of cricket um and the other one is is, is about giving our, all of our membership you know 106 members the opportunity to engage more closely with their governments and in some countries um being an olympic sport gets you closer to your government than being a non, non not being an olympic sport so that's the you know probably they're the they're the two things. I mean, it, it in a lot of countries it it provides free to air coverage as well, and we know in Australia what that does for uh, you know for not for for um, you know, getting the numbers number of eyeballs watching the watching the sport. So it is you know it's one that's it's important for us. But the other thing is over the journey we haven't had all of our members keen to be involved for various you know various reasons, whether that be the the name you play under or or whether it's commercial or whether there's some political issues, um, whereas right now we we have got um, a unified membership who, who all want to be. Jeff, thanks for donating your time today. What a fantastic journey you've been on. And the fact that you've constantly climbed the, the sports administration ladder says everything about how you go about it. And your reputation, I think, as a methodical problem solver certainly precedes you. So well done on all you've achieved so far and best of luck for, for what's next. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Sam. It's been great. Thanks very much. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.